Is everything on? Can you hear me? Hello, 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 hello. Yeah. Ian. Yeah, is is this going through? Like this is probably about normal volume, normal distance, right right about here. No, you need to get up there. Uh, let's see. My knee, my knees don't allow me to go <laughs> much further than this. All right. So that should be a lot better. Okay. Let's see. Yeah. Let's... Yeah. You just gotta. You gotta get the lean in when you're ready to oh, speak. Yeah. Right. All, right. Oh yeah. Like and I'm also, already leaning. Like this we is need actually... a good fucking table. We need a bigger fucking table. I mean, yeah. It needs to be our a little bit lower for our chair heights. Well, no, we what we we need a table that has chairs that go with it. That like, <laughs> oh yeah, it yeah. doesn't have this giant rack here hitting uh-huh. your knees. Yeah, <laughs> longer table, uh, yeah. so we can you know actually all fit at it comfortably. Yeah, <laughs> comfortably. It's going to be nice. Not at this uh, uh, two-person, uh, one-bedroom apartment dining room table, which is that, 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 yeah. that this is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is um, this is a uh, real Power Ranger table. Now I'm just saying words. Ignore them. Ignore them all. All of them. It looks like it's showing up. I, I can see I can see some spikies there. What do, what does uh, you guys' voice sound like? Just uh, hello, hello, hello. Well, I mean, you know. So today I went to the grocery store and I ran into a flat-footed human <laughs> that was taking very long to get down the aisles. It's so always a flat tire. Difficult to. Uh tell if I can hear you guys in my headphones. Especially Ian, because Ian's like right here and Ian's voice goes over the headphones. Yeah, it just goes through (laughs) at a steady pace. Like I can hear myself in the headphones just fine and I can tell that Chris is in the headphones just fine, but I can never tell if it's if I'm hearing Ian or if I'm hearing Am I here or am I here? That's what everyone asks. It's like am I hearing Ian or not? I don't know. Is he really there? Is this all in my head? Well no then that 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 then becomes a problem because uh uh people uh I've heard from listeners that they think that we're using one mic, and for some reason we've sat you in the corner. We do. I do need to get a better mic. That's <laughs> something in the near future. I will have a microphone that like will be good. Well, see, my uh, thing is, I don't think it's your. It's not just your mic. It's the. Well, it's the. It's the back. Uh, it yeah, keeps on slipping out the it's cord. It's a mixture. Of... Uh, these past few episodes when we've had it sitting down and you're not holding it have it's... been a lot better. I think it's something in the mist. Uh, we it's just have just... to wade through it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. It's Between the Profound and the Profane, a comedy podcast where three lifelong friends gather together every week in my spare bedroom to trade friendly stories, give friendly advice, learn something new about their friends, and while we're at it, try to make some new friends. Hey out there, new friends. New friends, true believers, bone horse, and our personal army of trash people. Trash people. You're goddamn right. Joining me, uh, my co-hosts, your co-hosts, our co-hosts. He's a pile of movie quotes in a man suit. Chris Warko. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a Spider-Man can. Spins a web, just like that. Do, do, do. It's Spider-Man. What's up, guys? Look out. There it is. 
you can't catch Spider-Man. <laughs> also joining me, uh, my other co-host. He's not a Spider-Man, but you can photograph him in the woods, slightly out of focus, leaping nimbly bimbly between boulders and trees, talking to the plants, riding sleds piloted by rabbits. He's Ian the Brown. I've been staring at my sky for weeks. Does that make me the alienist? I've been hearing a lot about it lately. <laughs> the fuck's the alienist? Is I that like the, the hold on, hold on. Alien okay, yeah. My question is what I imagine. It's it's set in like 1920s New York, so maybe like Tesla has something to do with it. I don't know. All I know, yeah, actually you know what? It probably is about Tesla. That's my guess. It's got to be about the Tesla. alienist. It's about Tesla. He falls in love with pigeons. Or his descent, his, uh, his great-great relative, Elon Musk. Ah, yeah. Could also be about Musk. Elon Musk. And Elon I've never Musk. been ready for anything in my life. I'm your shit host, Chris Myers. Today, today, we are talking filmmaking, low budget, uh, to be exact. Uh, what goes into it, uh, how much it costs... Is it possible to do the things that we saw people do in the 80s and 90s? Um, talk about a few movies that we watched this week. And close out on how we would go about making a uh, the bonus hours low-budget movie. Um, you know, the things we would need, what our budget would need to be. And I, I, I think that'll, that'll be an episode. You guys ready? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Joining us now, Howard Dean. Yeah! Thank you, Howard Dean. Welcome back in the studio <laughs> with the Morning Zoo crew. We're gonna tell the story, and it's gonna be amazing. And we're gonna go to the White House, and then we're gonna win. Yeah! Oh, and you lost it. And that <laughs> joke was just for the people who were around in 2004 to remember it. <laughs> So like uh, like low budget and micro budget filmmaking, um, I don't exactly know where it comes from or the more of the uh, the philosophy of it, uh, because reaching back into the history of filmmaking, a lot more movies were low budget than I had expected. But the parameters for low budget, as far as IMDb was concerned, uh, a low budget movie is anywhere between a hundred thousand and fifty million dollars. Alright. It's a huge well, sliding yeah, scale. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's it, a it really is, big it, I mean, that's crazy. There's it's, so much you can do so with 50 million. It's because the studio started getting involved in indie filmmaking. So, like, for in that in that sense, like, um, like the Paranormal uh, Activity series that's like a huge blockbuster, that's actually probably a low, a low budget film? The Paranormal right? Activity that, movies would be considered a micro-budget movie. Uh, anything under a hundred thousand dollars? Yeah, because I because I, I couldn't imagine that movie costing 15, any more than a million. Fifteen thousand. Oh wow! Is that really? Yes. Fifteen thousand, and that but like and that's like a major blockbuster. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like the movies when when I like the thoughts that are coming to my mind were more like um, movies that maybe had some theater play at some point. But like mostly, they became famous, you know. After well, DVD paranormal activity VHS got spread, you know. Paranormal activity is a, a special case that was not designed to be a blockbuster, but it would because it's not you know a blockbuster oh, it, is Jaws. A blockbuster is it wasn't meant to. They well, no, they just back. they marketed that shit really well. 
Oh, okay. Uh, that, that's all that was. It, that was a $15,000 movie that got picked up by, I forget what distribution company, and that distribution company spent a bunch of money on a very specific marketing scheme that will never work again. That marketing scheme being showing you trailers of people being scared in a theater and then saying, your theater's not going to play it unless you call them and tell them to. Make your theater show you paranormal activity. That's like some Citizen Kane shit, actually. <laughs> Citizen Kane. $837,727. But that considered. was but that was back in 1938 or uh, it came out in 1941 or 41, uh, yeah. So it would have been made it would have been being made around 38. So that's 39. I mean that's a decent budget. I mean I guess it still falls under the category of low budget. Yes. To the in comparison to 50 million. And also, I mean, also it falls under the category of more independent filmmaking. Like, Orson Welles was making his own movie, going against the studio system, trying to fight the studio system, yeah. uh, because they weren't making And making movies. a movie about that very scenario. <laughs> they weren't making the movies that he was wanting to make at the time. But considered, you know, A, the greatest film of all time, though I've never seen it. <laughs> I've seen a little bit of it. I actually read the synopsis this week because I wanted to make a. I wanted to throw out a movie idea called Citizen Crane and make the movie about. But I read the whole synopsis of Citizen Kane and I'm like, I can't make this about Tonka trucks. You know what you can make it about though. What Seattle? Seattle. Citizen Fraser Crane. Oh, dude! <laughs> I, oh man, I love that. Who yeah. operates? We a gotta crane. get on this. But he doesn't operate a crane. Citizen Fraser Crane is a, is a dying psychologist <laughs> who loved Boston and Seattle. Oh wait, he did. He he did go to Boston. Yes, didn't cheers. He? That's right. Yeah, cheers is Boston. I'm just saying and, everything and, and, as if I'm Fraser Crane and, dying. And, and you need that. You need the opening scene of him dying. He's got to say a thing. And you're like cheers. Cheers, and then he dies, and then the rest of the movie is figuring out what the fuck Cheers was. I'm going because that's what Rosebud is. That's what fucking Citizen Kane is. Rosebud. Yeah. <laughs> I only know Citizen Kane through reference and satire and parody, Anybody which is why I actually. That's yeah. why I'm saying. I've seen why part I, of it. I, I haven't watched the whole. That's thing. why I've, I've never seen it. That's probably why nobody in this room has ever seen it, or anybody who's listening to this podcast. We've heard all the references. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's you know you've been told that it's the best movie ever, and then seen why it's the best movie ever, and seen every plot point from it, and it's been referenced so much that you don't have to see it you don't need to see it rightfully we probably should but yeah no it's not necessary to... <laughs> i just don't want to sit through it now no, half of I know. sad orson wells in I black know. and white yeah even I though agree. you know like there's cinematography that's like really incredible yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. we could take yeah. you to film school but i just you know <laughs> i didn't go anyway so anyway those are all different school. fucking topics yeah <laughs> Watchmen. Another day. What's that? So you want to be taking a film school? Watch The Watchmen. Man, beautiful cinematography. Well, no, no, no. I agree with all of that. Yes, that is a a, a movie for that. But I'm saying. I mean, you and I both agree that when you talk Zach about Snyder should be. When a, I'm talking about fil- taking you to film school, yeah, I'm starting in like yeah, you'd have to you going to film school is all about watching a bunch of movies. That's here's a secret for you, kids. Going to film school is all about just watching movies but through the lens of, like, history and how films are made. So, yes, you would watch a Citizen Kane, and you could back that up with watching a... Somebody's going to shoot me for saying this. Watchmen by Zack Snyder. (laughs) 
Because the framing, the cinematography, like the things that they do with camera and camera tricks are very important. But we're not talking about big blowout budget Zack Snyder films here today. We are talking about the lowest of the low, the the scratching it out, the independent and low budget filmmakers. So back in like the 40s and 50s, a lot of your low budget movies are coming out are, 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 are your B movies. That's where you're like your B sci-fi movie hits. Didn't these movies still don't didn't like Dracula and Frankenstein and stuff like that? Didn't they still make it to theaters? Like, weren't they shown at like drive-ins? Or? Oh, like yes. Dra- Dracula and stuff. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, not definitely. not uh, Curse of Dracula or Curse of Frankenstein. Like the the Hammer horror follow-ups to oh, okay to, to the classics to Universal classics. Okay, all right. Uh, I was gonna say because I, I know that Dracula and Frankenstein were both big movies when they came out in black and white. But yeah, you know? I mean that th- those would be what we see as like late night trash theater mm-hmm. uh you know b movies and hammer horror movies would have been shown in theaters and moving about in that in that realm now they perhaps did not have like wide super crazy releases yeah uh, no probably like they stuck around for two weeks yeah and if you saw it you saw it you're just yeah they're just churning these things out but this is even bef- this is before video distribution like video wasn't a thing ah, back then yeah, remember this is the 40s and 50s right. So, like, there's no home video distribution. These things just go to theater, and then they disappear, and then sometimes they'll come back. Do people run, like, mini projectors in their house to watch movies? I don't know. I wasn't around in that time. I, oh, back then? I mean, I if you're super rich, I yeah, imagine maybe. you probably would. Like, like Pres- uh, Prescott. <laughs> Prescott Bush, he definitely is watching Wizard of Oz and shit at home. <laughs> I mean, I don't think the 8mm, like, home camera came around until the late 50s and 60s like the ability to shoot video at your house around in this i want to say late 60s or 70s by the time that video camera actually was like readily definitely the late 60s early 70s yeah Uh, i found a eight millimeter uh video camera yeah it was basically fucking mint condition yeah chris found the super eight and it's Real. pretty <laughs> badass, and we oh, tested yeah. it out, and it works. Now is that like, uh, what's the what's the eight millimeter? Like, what's the tape look like? This um, one's it, so there was eight it's millimeter a super eight. where you used to have to feed the film. Yeah, in. that's what that's what I was thinking. This one is a su- This one is a, a super eight case where it's like a cartridge. So all the film is already rolled on the cartridge, and okay. you just kind of pop it in. All right. And there's you flick it in the on position and you just squeeze the trigger and it just starts recording. I don't know if there's sound on it. I don't know if we can even get it developed, but I definitely want to take it and just go fuck around cuz I got what <laughs> I've got about 3 quarters of a film roll and then the new one that hasn't even been popped in yet. So it'd be fun to just go screw around and see what we can come up with. And the Super 8 comes around in 69. Uh, okay. So there were okay. eight. There were normal eight millimeter reel to reels before that, like fifty five, fifty seven ish. That yes. is, that makes sense because I there when I think of low budget films, the ultimate in low budget filmmaking for as in terms of least budget needed is that uh, is those tapes that Sid Barrett made, the the old lead singer of Pink Floyd, like the mm-hmm. first one, where he just <laughs> did a bunch of angel dust and went wild in the woods, and he was just. He literally, he just films his adventure, and I think it's like Sid Barrett, leave no stone unturned. Literally, he's flipping over rocks in the <laughs> woods. It's amazing. <laughs> 
he catches a fish with his bare hands. He speaks to it, but he can't hear what he says, and then he throws it back in the river. It was beautiful. I think the budget was literally a man, drugs, and a camera. A man, <laughs> drugs, and a camera. Watch it. Actually, yeah, I would watch that movie. <laughs> but as you get out of the like 40s and 50s, you start to get into more... Uh, like low budget noir films, uh, one that I oh, okay. looked up that I didn't watch, but sounded all right just based on the fact that it's a weird low budget noir film. It's called Detour. It was worth thirty thousand dollars in nineteen forty five. It's about a uh, a hitchhiker who gets picked up, and thus ensues crime thriller noir from nineteen forty five. Like the you know okay. yeah. All right. um, uh, mm-hmm. But I kind of want to huh murder 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 noir. Murder noir, okay. I think all all noir has all noir murder. has to have murder. Yeah, yeah I it's, think so. It's yeah. Noir. Well, when you said detour, it almost sounded like that movie with uh, Ian's girlfriend in it. Uh, uh, are wrong. you talking about Elijah? I am Elijah. That Elijah. wrong turn. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I thought oh, that may be okay. a remake of this 1945 detour movie. No, but you said noir, so I you know, no, that I doesn't think really that fit the style. I think I think Wrong Turn is closer to uh, a, a retread of the 1980s uh, B slasher flick Hitchhiker and Hitchhiker Two, but I think that's sense. up to like kind of view and opinion. Mm-hmm. So we start moving up through because I kind of want to want to speed through this Curse of Frankenstein, starring Tri- Christopher Lee, or sixty five thousand pounds in 1957. Um, this is roughly about sixty. No, it would be more. It would be about $75,000. Oh, Casablanca is considered also one of the greatest films of all time. 1942, $878,000. That's a year after Citizen Kane, and it's in the same price range. Um, You get up into the 70s, and that's when you get your horror movie starting to come out. It's when you get your your Texas Chainsaw, $83,000. 1974... uh, 1979 Alien, which is one of the more pricey ones at 11 million. How much? 11 million. 11 million, all right. That's solid, that's solid. Was the original uh, Friday the 13th on there? Uh, yes, I forget how much that one was. That one was. I imagine less than that. See, that one was 1980, 550,000, half a mil. Half a mil for Friday the 13th, which I can't imagine. At the like, just thinking about Friday the Thirteenth, I'm like, how do you? Especially after some of the movies that we Hmm. watched this past week. Yes. Like, so in comparison to that, which was real heavy on, really just in a camp scene with, and I don't know if that. I think the actress that played Jason's mom Mm -hmm. in the first movie was a famous actress from the like. Yeah, I think she. That might have. Yeah, I think that's where the that money went. I, if I have to be honest, because I didn't, I don't know anybody else. There could have been, you know, like a Johnny Depp or a Jennifer Aniston or something like their very that. first movie, running around in there. Vince Vaughn, I hell, I, I uh, no, Johnny Depp was in Elm Street. Uh, comparatively, though, that <laughs> was yeah, that back. was heavy puppetry. <clears throat> what was the price difference between Thirteenth and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street? Ooh. I do not know what the price difference was because I do not have Nightmare on my list over here. <laughs> I I've, I think Nightmare is considered low budget too. Right? I'm pretty sure it is. They're all from the same thing. Yeah, yeah, they're all from the For, same. I'd say the Freddy school mo- of the film. Freddy movies are probably m- more expensive, and the first Freddy is 
still probably probably still falls off. Probably within list. that. Do you have Halloween yeah. on there? Uh, no, I only got into the C's. So like okay, okay, the, uh, the, the IMDb list that I was on, it was like it was going infinite. in order, and it was infinite. Like I could not. But Halloween is also in the like sixty to seventy thousand dollar range. I'm pretty fucking I, sure I because that. it is all in like one seat. House, it's all yeah. like two houses. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like well, and they they did the cool thing of um, you get to see behind the mask, mm-hmm. so you're actually looking through the mask in Michael's. Oh, mask okay. in that movie, which is kind of cool, and all of that brings me up to the actual like the the movies that Chris and I had watched th- over this week. We sat down and we we wanted to see what low budget gets you, like what micro budgets get you, and what they've gotten people throughout time. I guess so. We sat down and we watched Mad Max from nineteen seventy nine, classic. Uh, mm-hmm. Classic. Uh, we watched. Never seen it before, though. Arguably, no. Yeah, that neither was, had that I. Was my first time. Wow. See, now I've seen it, but it has been a long time since I've seen it. So I, I actually would, I would love to watch it again at some point. I, I've <laughs> only seen parts of Road Warrior. I've seen all of Thunderdome and all of Fury Road. Okay. See, I haven't seen Fury Road. Uh, that's the new one, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, 2015's Fury Road. Uh, I've only seen Fury Road and Mad Max at this point, and this week okay. was my first time seeing the original Mad Max, uh, George Miller, 1979. The, the one I remember the best is Road Warrior. Budgeted but at $350,000. Oh. Uh, 1979, so if we hit a little inflation, let's probably round it up to half a mil. Probably. In, in today's terms, they did yeah. that movie for half a mil, which it was... Not bad. It was pretty, you know, it yeah. was pretty good. It For had everything, some very funny... Considering the time it was made in, like, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty good. I like it. <laughs> I, well, I, I, it had some pretty funny, strange moments, but I think those, you know, those funny, strange moments are in the, you know, those are sincere. Like, they're not, you're not laughing at the film, you're laughing with the film at those points. They didn't intentionally make a B-movie. They didn't, like, intentionally go for a Sharknado vibe. Well, no, no, no. Like, they weren't making fun of, like, they weren't doing that thing that's really annoying at this point, because now there's just so much of, That feels like We intentionally made a shitty movie with, like, a crazy budget, you know? I want to say that that feels like a a new thing, a new phenomenon, but... Uh, Peter Jackson made a B movie. His first film was called Bad Taste, uh, but it's—I haven't seen it. It's on my list. Uh, uh, if you have seen it, I would like to hear about it. Uh, anybody out there? Leave uh, a comment. <laughs> yeah, leave comments. You can tweet me at Pocket of Crime, C H R Y M. But yeah, that is an intentional B movie, kind of made to send up B movies for, that, that he watched. But it seems more sincere and not as cynical as the sci-fi Sharknado bullshit yeah. movies. Yeah. Um, Bad Taste was $30,000. Uh, and that one's about aliens who come to Earth to harvest human flesh for their outer space meat markets. Oh, and, oh like okay. human, a human horn situation. Yeah. yeah. yeah and it's that just, human horn. <laughs> and it's just all exploding heads and, and, and bad, good, bad good makeup and really, really... Grade A B movie from what I've seen of the, uh, Walmart machetes the that, that are spray painted neon yellow. Yeah, space machete. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> but Mad Max uh, by George Miller, I, I really enjoyed the shit out of it. Uh, I like Fury Road, and I had seen Fury Road first. That's the first, okay. and o- that was the first and only Mad Max movie I had seen, and I really enjoyed the way that that movie was made. So going back and seeing the original Mad Max. Uh, it's really cool to see the beginnings of what 
Fury Road becomes. You know, it's okay. it's like you know, it's a freshman movie versus you know a, a master class. Like he's he's had thirty or so years to really hone how he does what he does, which is a lot of really well shot car crashes. And he does a yeah. great job yeah. <laughs> projecting the decay of society. Atmosphere. So Definitely. he you know, it it starts out Mad Max is uh it basically the big thing that's going on in the world is there's an oil crisis. There was yeah. there was the Gulf War there, yeah, between exactly. two Middle Eastern countries. It had nothing to do with the United States. Yeah. And but that, it trickled over to like a worldwide gas shortage. Right. Yeah. A, a worldwide oil shortage. So mm-hmm. it crunched the oil. So mm-hmm. then uh you know, governments and shit started falling apart. Oil companies started going but there was still like restaurants and you could still sit down with your family and go eat somewhere and there were still cars driving around it was just a little bit more dangerous now there's motorcycle gangs rolling around yeah and the second one it degrades a little it, bit i say you get climate change comes well in that's the third one just third one you get the climate change oh really okay well third one they drop the bombs in between two and three they gotcha. drop bombs and it was just cool to watch the whole the whole progression of everything. You know, going from hey, society is on the verge of collapse to fucking it's gone. This is what's left. Yeah. And even though and another thing to note is we, I looked it up, every single sequel got 3 times the budget. So his first one was three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Okay, never mind. Yep. Alright, did it go off to plug it in more? No, it was when you pulled it. Oh so yeah, alright, that well yeah, that happened just now. Okay. Yeah, it was when you touched it. Yeah, I need you to lean I need you to lean forward a little I, bit. Like, I, like, this, like this is as far I, as I can yeah, like physically yeah, lean. Yeah, so yeah, you're talking good now. <laughs> Okay. You gotta, it's yeah. like a two-way. I mean, it's literally just. A couple yeah, of I know, but you okay. got you got to keep your mouth pointed right here. Yeah, you got to project right the fuck here. Gotcha. You got to be precise with that shit. Yeah, this is. Anyways, I don't think we lost. So, I mean, what did you think of Mad Max? You said that you had seen only you've only seen Thunderdome and Fury Road, and I've heard you say, and I think you've said on the podcast, you're not a big fan of Fury Road. But what did you think of Mad Max, the first one? Uh, I thought the first one was really good. Um... It had a lot of kind of hokey elements. Oh yeah, still it was still real fun. Uh, One of the things that I picked up and I didn't even notice it until the very very end. Spoiler alert for 1979, (laughs) Mad Max. But at the end, uh, the bad guy, the big bad guy, gets run over by an 18 wheeler, Mm -hmm. and. The big at the beginning of the movie, he's talking to his wife, and not the bad guy, uh, Max is talking to his wife, and he puts on this latex mask with bulging eyes. Yeah, and he was trying to scare her or make her laugh, and every single and she was like, "I'm not in the mood, you know, I'm angry," and every single time a bad guy or he killed somebody. The scene of them dying was always their eyes bulging out of their head like oh, the mask. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> <I got you. laughs> he, when the thing is, is his wife and his son get killed, mm-hmm. and so every single person, it's like a callback of him getting revenge to try to make his wife laugh. At least that's how I saw it. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was really cool imagery. Hmm. Uh, 
it was cool that he only had, you know, a couple, a few cars to fuck up, and he did great on his shot. He used it. (laughs) And his subtlety with not showing you what was going on, like, uh, the wife and the kid got run over by motorcycles, Mm -hmm. but they didn't actually show the wife and the kid get run over. So, like, he he flies it, and you see a a, a scene of the wife holding the baby, and then... The next scene is the bike going through without stopping, and then you see the bike off in the distance, and a little ball, and the kid's shoe goes rolling off yeah. to let you know that they got hit and yeah. run over. And then off in the distance, you see her uh, laying down, and you see Mel Gibson's funniest little girl run. <laughs> oh it was God, before he had perfected the Mel Gibson oh, run. No. Oh, it was it was pretty funny, but <laughs> all in all, it was it was really good, and I cannot wait to watch them all as a whole uh i'm i'm really 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 trying hard to keep an open mind with fury road i'm hoping after the rewatch of road warrior uh i'll either form my own opinion of that max in fury road being the feral child or i'll just close my eyes bite the bullet and just realize that that's max it's a different instead iteration. Of, instead of hmm. Mel Gibson. I mean... Even though they're trying to continue a story in which he's supposed to go through fucking shit. And he's still really young. Outside of that... I mean, that's that's all part of the Hollywood machine at that point. Yeah. But did you have any <laughs> idea that uh, George Miller directed Babe? No. Like, I Pig in the, the City? I didn't know that. And the sequel. <laughs> Both of them. And Happy Feet. Really? And the sequel. That's really? pretty big. Wow. How you go from Mad Max to Happy Feet? I mean, that's a big jump. He man. needed that <laughs> fucking money to make some Mad Max Fury Road. I thought I thought that Wes Craven actually made Happy Feet. No, no? that's nope. terrifying. That wasn't it was George Wes Miller. Oh man. <laughs> Is it I want to go back. Craven's and... dead now. Yeah, yeah. Wes Craven's okay. passed. So we we can't have a. Uh... No vampire happy feet. I would I would pour out a little bit of beer for Wes Craven, but I can't do that on. I want to go back and watch Babe and Babe Pig in the City and after for... watching uh, Mad Max and the Road Warrior, and like oh, see if I can see the the, the killer thumbprints. I feel like uh, the way that he films like the I'm... chase scenes, or the way that he films like, what is that that weird shit that happens in Babe Pig in the City where like the monkey pushes the old woman off of a balcony, and like there's this big weird slapstick. Comedy scene going on. I don't know if I've ever seen Pig in the City. Uh, I haven't seen Pig in the City in a while, uh, but but the first one with the sheep and Pig in the City yeah. is more slapstick, uh, but it's actually done okay. Like it, it's it's way different than the first Babe. So that's uh, <laughs> but that's, the humor is still there. It was like Greg Miller's like that's his uh, his animal farm is 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 uh, Babe Pig in the City like that. The that's sheep farmer goes. was Max. <laughs> Yeah. That'll do, pig. Man, a few words. Two legs bad, four legs good. <laughs> you. But yeah, I I really enjoyed the shit out of uh out of Mad Max, and I I think it's I, I uh, what 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 Chris was touching on with the uh like with Imagery. the scene where the uh like the motorcycle runs over the wife and the child, even though he doesn't show it, like. 
it's a uh, very Hitch, Hitchcock uh, psycho, the shower scene. You don't see the knife go in, yeah, yeah but you, you just... see the like you you're, you see you're... the person getting killed. So. Well, your well, your yeah. brain fills in the blanks. Yeah. Like it was it was more gory, visceral, and like chest bursting, hard to watch when she got run over. The other because sh- my brain filled in the gaps. My brain yeah. filled in the tire mark running over her and the baby and like them kind of splattering in the middle of the street. I didn't need to actually see it. Yeah. And let's say because it was low budget, there was also another scene where his partner was burned alive. And he goes into the hospital to go see his partner. And he's the partner's completely encased in a sheet. Like there's he's in like a Oh, uh, what are those? What is Incu- Darth? What, incubator? Yeah, kind of like deal. an incubator or uh, air, uh, clean air room. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and his hand falls out, and so you just see the hand charred, and uh, they don't. Then he pulls back the, the sheet to look at his face, and you it never shows his partner's face ever, but you just gotcha. see the. The horror in uh, Mel Gibson's eyes and Max's eyes about looking at his partner, yeah. still alive. And then, like, but it's just it's up to you to to fill in the blanks. Yeah. yeah. So he and does I, a really good job about that. I actually like that, like, because a lot of stuff, especially on the really cheesy movies, uh, like when they're like intentionally cheesy, like they're not trying, you know, like they're trying to be che- as cheesy as like possible. Machete. Obi- Machete was probably, like, my one exception where I would still say I enjoyed watching that movie. But, like, um, there's a lot of, like, the cheesy Sharknado-esque movies that are super gory, like, to the point of ridiculousness. It's cynicism that you're having a problem with. I guess so. Like, where the the Sharknado is low budget, but it's, like, rubbing it in your face how stupid it is. Yeah. Whereas, (laughs) and it's... It's taking being stupid too seriously. Yeah. Whereas a machete or like the grindhouse is like, we know this is dumb. Yeah, We know this is dumb, but you love it. Yeah, grindhouse is a great example of an intentional B-movie done enjoyably to me. (laughs) Yeah. Like grindhouse and planet terror. Those are the two, right? Well, it 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 was was grindhouse production, planet terror, and... Death proof. Death proof. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, those were great. Quentin, and, uh, Quentin Tarantino, Machete, Robert Machete and those, man, yeah. Speaking of Rodriguez, uh, we watched his first movie uh, this okay. week. El Mariachi. Na- 1992's El Mariachi. Oh, okay. For, the, for the sticklers out there, uh, produced in 92, released in 93. Mm-hmm. Supposing. Somewhere between 92 and 93. Eh, for fucking who cares. But uh, that was made for 7000 fucking dollars. Significantly less budget. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy to see how much you can get done for $350,000 and how little you're able to do for $7,000. But also uh. how much <laughs> you're able to do for 7000 as long as you're willing to get creative and everybody who's working on the project is willing to do multiple it's roles. down for it. And yeah. I mean <laughs> multiple roles as in you're an actor, but at some point in time you may also be holding the camera or... There was these really cool um, where he would do just it was a he was playing a game of pool and every single time it was someone's turn to take a shot or every time every time someone took a shot towards a different ball it would be a different camera angle like hard angles boom boom oh, okay. boom 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 and they only had one camera so he had to wow, film all wow. of that in one sequential camera. order and then there was these cool like 
roll-by shots that usually, you know, people have like a, a dolly that they're on and they're moving the camera. I think we looked it up and he said it was a wheelchair. Yeah. He was sitting in a wheelchair holding the camera and someone was pushing One of the actors was pushing him. Uh, any actor that wasn't on screen at the time. So El Mariachi, if you out there don't know, it's part of Robert Rodriguez's Mexico trilogy. Uh, it's the first uh, El Mariachi, Desperado, and Once Upon a Time in Mexico. I think everybody's seen Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Or that, definitely Desperado. Or des- definitely yeah. Desperado. <laughs> um, and it's it's about a young boy in uh, downtrodden Mexico who wants to be El Mariachi. Same boy. I mean, he's... Somewhere between 18 and 21. At 18... At eighteen, you're 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 still you're still a fucking child. You're still a child if you're eighteen. Yeah, man, man, child, <laughs> child, man. We are man, child. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so so, in, but through a through happenstance, uh, he gets a mistaken identity. He gets a hit put out on him by the cartel, by the Mexican cartel, and the rest of the movie is a kind of crime chase movie. Yeah. He gets confused with the hitman Azul. Azul, um, and it's 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 a charming movie. I think that's the first thing that I could say. It's it's incredibly charming. Uh, it's got a nice little wit to it. The 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 the, the dialogue is snappy. Uh, probably snappier than I've ever seen Rodriguez's dialogue. Oh, okay. Uh, I think there were a lot of. If I could, I was gonna say it was dub voiceover, and that part was pretty funny. I mean, so oh, really? the translation may have been off a bit. Off. <laughs> I don't know if the translation was off at all. What I was going to say is that it feels sometimes like there were a few dialogue punch-ups from Tarantino. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the, the dialogue's really, really fucking snappy. It, it, it hits. It's it's a punchy fucking script. You, you know, like uh, the... the the little subtle jokes in the dialogue don't ever really stop. Uh, there's one moment where El Mariachi says to the woman he meets, Domino, uh, or no, he says to the audience about the woman he meets, Domino, she was the most beautiful creature I had seen all day. Apart from the turtle, of Apart course. Apart from the turtle, of course. <laughs> and then I liked the bathtub scene. Yes. With the letter opener. With the letter opener. Sing a song. <laughs> or play the guitar. Now sing your fe- your best song. And he was like, oh, God. Uh, she had a letter opener. I would assume pointed at his dick or I would take the extra step because my legs were curling a little bit that it was like right under his ball sack. Oh, like, man. Okay. Like so like you were in the gooch. Yeah, you were where I was. Like yeah, right. He was like the- she was at any point in time. If he didn't fucking rock that solo. He was about to have a whole nother asshole. A pes- yeah, episiotomy yeah. was yeah. coming. She wasn't. Yeah, she wasn't going to like castrate him mm-hmm. or, or turn him into a eunuch. She was just like right up underneath there, right on the axle, right in the undercarriage, just kind of pressing it so that he felt it. Yeah, and he plays the guitar, and it's really funny. That's a really it's a funny little scene. Um, but it was just it was an interesting thing to see where he cut corners, um, like. You can there's you can see him holding the camera yeah. in like two or three scenes. Yeah, you can but see his like, fingers. He's mm-hmm. cutting the corners in like all the right places. Oh, like, absolutely, absolutely like, cutting corners in all the right places. Like where there's there's this one scene where Mariachi is uh, running away from the the uh, the gangsters and he's he has to go back and get his guitar and he's climbing up some stairs so 
you know, it's a, it's like a spiral type of staircase, and there's another balcony just above this landing. So he has to throw his guitar over the balcony and climb up in to the, the balcony from the lower landing. Uh-huh. Mariachi, the actor, misses uh, throwing the guitar, and it falls back on him. But it cuts. Robert Rodriguez goes up to the, uh, the balcony, restarts, he throws the guitar up. Okay, yeah, they do. And yeah. it lands. And then, you know, he just let, and then he goes, and yeah. in, the, in the editing booth, he just uh, zooms in. One to the other. He zooms in when it falls. Mm-hmm. And okay. just lets Mariachi climb up. Just forget the guitar, just do the climb. And then when he, uh, and then he cuts back to him being on the balcony. So you don't see, you don't see the blooper, but the blooper's still there. Because okay. he didn't have okay. enough time to reset up that shot, reshoot that shot of him throwing the guitar up and climbing. Like an Just o- fucking go. Like an OG Easter egg. He did the <laughs> same thing in the... Um, Hidden in plain sight. The gun, the gun pads? Uh, the squips. Yeah, whenever they were going off. Uh, clearly, he wasted about three or four people. And as soon as they went off, I mean, it looked like they had gouging holes in their chest. <laughs> cut to another scene and it was just a, the t-shirts were shredded had a little blood thrown on it and everybody was fine underneath he also so did he, not have actual squibs he had uh, like fucking condoms wrapped up and like kind of taped so he had mcdonald's <laughs> ketchup packets oh yeah ready to yeah. just oh yeah bam <laughs> and i mean and you can see all of the you can see the edges uh you can see it, it's really grimy in that way you can see the edges of how cheap it is but i it, it makes it incredibly charming and it shows you that it's completely possible to do something like that with a handful of people uh i will say the jump because i have seen desperado i saw desperado shit when i was really young yeah and then i've seen it a couple times since then the actress you said it was domino yeah i don't know if domino if it's the same actress that selma hayek plays i don't think so uh but if it's supposed to be the same woman they did a good job. Like, Selma Hayek really looks a lot like... A young Selma Hayek looks a lot like the actress from El Mariachi. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, and if you are out there and you enjoy DVD commentary or you've ever wanted to hear DVD commentary, the DVD commentary on El Mariachi is all um, Robert Rodriguez basically tell- taking you to $7,000 film school. Like, this is how I set up this shot. This is how what you buy. This is how you fucking cut corners here. This is where I cut corners here. This is how you make a fucking movie for $7,000. Um, so if you are ever interested in that, look up that DVD. The commentary you can probably find somewhere on YouTube. I'm not sure. I'd look for it if I were you. Uh, I'm going to look for it after I'm done with this just because I want to hear it, and I love, I love DVD commentary. I miss... <laughs> not having dvd commentaries <laughs> me too a good a good comment a good commentary i mean a good and a good commentary will will teach you so much about filmmaking like uh, that's what i always loved about them i used to watch a dvd uh, a movie all the way through and then immediately play it back through with director commentary because i wanted to hear what the director had to say about each and every scene i see hmm yeah, like on on like after Desperados, like kind of on that track, like one of my favorite movies. And I, I mean, I don't know, huge. I, you guys probably know more about like how the movie is made than me, maybe. But um, Dusk Till Dawn, 
uh, if you go with uh, we're talking about Richard. Uh, Robert, that's Robert Rick, Rodriguez too. Robert correct? Rodriguez. Uh, oh, was it? Or was that Quentin here? Yeah, yeah that's, that's Rod- Quentin. I saw it was Quentin. Mm-hmm. It was Robert. That's Robert Rodriguez. Really? Yeah. Oh, see, all right, you guys do know more because I actually thought that that was Quentin's. I thought that was one of his first films. No. 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 Quentin Bob. Tarantino did Reservoir Dogs, and then he did, and then yeah. it was Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Well, I know that, but I was thinking Dusk Till Dawn was uh, the first one he did. Like, and to anyone out there oh. who is uh, going against that. Uh, no, 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 no. He did Natural Born Killers first. Natural Born oh. Killers, he wrote. Good point. Directed by Oliver, St- uh, Oliver Stone. Oh, okay. Oh, but you can see his overtones or undertones are all over that movie. But you can also see like where Oliver Stone ruined that movie as a director. Not ruined. I don't think it's a terrible movie. It's an all right movie. But because Quentin Tarantino needs good. to direct <laughs> Quentin Tarantino scripts. Like, oh, okay. N- nobody else can really direct a Tarantino script. I don't believe. I don't think so. And no. I think Natural Born Killers is I mean, the, the only testament I, to that. The yeah. only things that I would have taken out that felt overly Tarantino would have been the, um, the like, sitcom-y interaction between that, yeah. Mickey and Mallory uh-huh. and uh, the dad. Yeah fucking Rodney Dangerfield like if they'd done it more in like a flashback style or over instead of just the honey I'm home you know I could have seen that done more in a Quentin Tarantino like behind the chair mm-hmm. or in the chair than just writing that out because he probably was like god I don't, that's not what I wanted at all or maybe I, he was I don't know now here's a weird question I got. That's not a weird question. El Mariachi made in 1992 for seven thousand dollars. Clerks, twenty. Well, well, I had it in twenty-seven How? I bet it's because they had to rent the convenience store after hours. Huh. Apparently, Quentin Tarantino. By the way, he was in. Uh, he was in. Uh, yeah. Stilvano. Okay. Yeah, it was George Clooney's yeah. brother. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, I was thinking that he. Uh, I thought he actually had more to do with the movie than that. No, but... no, they're just buddies. Okay. All right. He was he like, was, "Hey, you want to be in my movie, the, buddy?" And he was yeah. like, "Yeah, man." Yeah. I mean, you know, in bomb, in bomb. I'm sorry. <laughs> he was the crazy, rapey brother that wanted Julia oh, yeah. Lewis. Or yeah, I guess, no, I, I, I guess, because Quentin Tarantino acts like the people that he talks to. He'd be like, yeah, Rodriguez! Yeah, Holmes! La Raza! I'm Quentin Tarantino! Let's go get some bad hombre sauce! And Rodriguez is like, I'm I'm from Austin. I'm from He's Austin. like, hello, good sir. <laughs> I speak English just fine. You could, you Brad, could work cut on cut all it. of that. Those are terrible jokes. Do not use that. Ay, ay, ay. Definitely <laughs> don't let that happen. Salvador, go back in the fucking engine room. Okay, I go back in the box. <laughs> I like the box. Cover me in shit. I'm sliding in. <laughs> oh, which brings us to the craziest of the fucking movies that we watched, which even thinking about it before I say a word about it makes my head hurt. Primer. Primer. Um, I don't want to get too much into like plot details because I think that people should see this one. 
I think they should. I think people should see all of these movies that we mentioned just to see how movies get made on lower budgets. And I promise you that one of your favorite movies is already a low budget movie. Like if you're out there listening to this, I promise you, one of your favorite movies is on this list of just low budget I'm, made on I'm made sure. for a dime. One of them is called Star Wars. <laughs> Nobody's ever seen that. What do you What do you mean? Why are all these kids liking Star Wars? I've I've never seen. Have you today? Today? Today I saw a child wearing a Star Wars shirt. Can you believe it? Star Wars used to be ours. Just us. Just the nerds. It was ours. Just Just virgin nerds. Who 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 did this? Who made Star Wars pop? Who decided? Disney. Disney. I hate you. You ruined Star Wars. You made it pop. Everybody likes it. It was just for us. I can't Lonely white nerds. This is what can, happened to my blood sacrifice right there. I can literally, like, what's funny is if you were in the room, you would see the pimples growing on Chris's face <laughs> as, his, as his glasses grow exponentially larger <laughs> as that as that rant went on. I was going to say, they get rant amazing. fog, yeah. though. You know, oh. rant fog when you're like oh, so much yeah. hot air, your shit just it's fogs steaming, up. Steaming, yeah. It's, it's like a jungle in there, jungle of anger and rage and pent up Dorito dust. Like so, Primer was about. Uh, uh, it's a 2004 movie uh, directed by Shane Carruth. I think is how you pronounce his name. Uh, made for seven thousand dollars. It's a time travel movie about uh, two it's to four trip engineers who accidentally build a time travel box in their garage um as i've been described i haven't actually watched this one but it is a actual box yes like a box like when when someone says box to you and that image pops in your head of a cardboard box not a cardboard box think of like a sheet metal box uh, uh, it's got four pieces a metal, of sheet a metal, metal box yeah. in the simplest sense. with wood posts on the outside so no, yeah i would i would say that in the in the script, it's definitely like a sheet metal box, or you know something that is uh, airtight. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure the prop itself was a really well done like box, like just a simple box. Because they do within the movie, they they the first one they build is a smaller one, you know. Uh, and I forget, I, I think what they were trying to do was. So it's got like the four posts and then the sheet metal. I think what they were trying to do was like create anti-gravity or something simple like that. But they never actually say. And so they build a small box. They put a like silly putty egg inside of it. And they turn it on and it kind of works. They don't know what the fuck is going on. It's probably a shout out to like the Philadelphia experiment. So as long as they... Visibility or teleportation and instead they get... So they leave this silly putty thing in there for a while, and while it's in there for like a week or so, it grows a fungus um, that is on everything. It grows a mold that is on your table, that's on your bed, that's on your clothes, but those spores never have enough time to like actually grow because you wash it. Uh, That's why, you know, it's it's the mold that is the reason they tell you not to keep things in in dark, damp places. You know, because it it will grow shit. Okay. So this silly putty or this egg or whatever the fuck it is grows enough of that mold from the natural spores that are already on it uh, that it seems to have traveled for six years. 
uh, when it had only been inside of the box for, you know, maybe a day or two. It oh. seems to have been sitting in there for six years. I see. Uh, and this is how they figure out that it is possibly time travel. And the rest of the movie is just two people losing their minds because they've opened up time travel. Or okay, is yeah. it ten people? You'll have to find out when you watch the movie. <laughs> I see. Ooh. <laughs> well, yeah, because the yeah, it's you got to see the movie. Uh, for what they did on a seven thousand dollar budget, uh, it's they did less than Mariachi does, but they accomplish more with it. Let's quote talk, unquote. If we're not gonna talk about the plot. Or you don't want to give too much away about the movie. Let's just talk about some of the things inside of it. As far as their props, I thought they did an excellent job about creating the uh, time machines that they were supposed to be inside of. Yeah. Again, they used like George Miller. They did a great job about creating a feeling or seeing the after effects of said shot. So instead of watching them come out of the time machine because they didn't you know have that big budget to see them you know and them coming out they they're just in and then when it's time for them to come out they're just out of the time machine okay. and they're out of breath and you know so they they did a really good job creating a uh, a sense of hey some some shit that you don't really know about happened inside that time machine you know and yeah. it's, it's having an effect on your body uh, and so that was kind of cool them talking about what it's like inside the time machine you mm -hmm. know like they ended up it doesn't really give anything away but they start taking uh, a type of gas to help them sleep so they're huh. breathing in this gas because they're just sitting in this box for a determined amount of time could be hours yeah that you're just in this box oh huh. okay. and uh and then you know they where they have it they built this inside of a fucking storage unit you know, it was like they used just the little bit of tools that they had. Yeah. You know, they probably went to U-Haul and waited yeah. for hours in between takes of, hey, let's make sure nobody's down these halls unpacking shit. And they're yeah. like, all right, now, boom, flip up the things, do their scene. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I bet there if we go. played it at really high audio, because there's parts where the door, the shutter door is down and they're in there, you can probably hear people Very walking or yeah. talking or opening other storage units or... So yeah. for what they had, and they didn't dumb it down for the audience. It was, when when the movie starts, they're talking about fucking high-level mathematics that I didn't even understand. Yeah. No fucking clue. I mean, it's a bunch of, it's four engineers sitting around talking about building computer parts and programs. It's like the doctor from Fringe <laughs> talking. And, <laughs> yeah, it's... more along the lines of just really, like... Or MIT like, students. Yeah, yeah, four MIT students sitting around... And they're building like computer component com components in their house. Yeah, and they're selling them like out of their house instead of like being a big major company. It's like, oh, you need yeah. a graphics card. Well, we fucking build graphics cards in our house here, and then you can see them packaging them up. And so they never bring it down to the audience. As a matter of fact, if we didn't watch a YouTube video kind of explaining and breaking everything down, we would probably have to have watched the movie like ten times. And actually, now that I have seen that and now that, that kind of breakdown, that map of how it all works, I want to watch it again and kind of see see how it all goes goes down. Because, I mean, the, the movie kind of takes place over three days, so everything goes wrong within three days because time travel is the worst thing. It's yeah. one of those, like, time travel is yeah. the worst thing. 
don't time travel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it was cool to see what they did. He's uh, That director has made a couple of more movies from what I had been looking up. Also in the kind of low budget, like maybe $60,000 budget range. Uh, and he's described as the david the millennial david lynch like the 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 or you know the gen x is david lynch he, he's very strange very surreal uh i was telling you earlier that he's, he's the, the radio head of movie makers yes <laughs> yeah yeah actually the the, the yeah the, the 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 movie primer feels talking about like Sean watching a radio head song <laughs> like it's just out of order it makes no sense it's disorienting the song it's... is over the song is over <laughs> the song is over and then it starts playing in reverse and then you die and then your friend hands you a go-gurt <laughs> and then it starts up again <laughs> yeah so i was trying in to french. think of uh in french so like what if the bonus hours was to produce its own like low budget movie the things that we would need uh, the things that we think that we could do. What could we use? Like, what tools do we have that we could just fucking use? Uh, I mean, I, I feel like without even thinking about it, it would be a movie about finding Ian. No, seriously. We'd go down to the beach back in North Hill Estates where we used to go fishing, hang out, do God knows what. And You guys are fishing and a stone just falls in the river in front of you and you're like... <laughs> What? We'd go Who on like it? some kind of some kind of Ian Yeti adventure, <laughs> and it would be like a mockumentary about finding Ian. There's some sort of huh. footprints in the sand. They look to be about size 14. No human could possibly <laughs> have shoes that large. <laughs> this Yeti wears shoes. <laughs> Adidas. I wonder what that means in his language. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I. We know spring very well. Yeah, yeah, no. We know the area. I mean, hell, we know about all the little side trails in Lexington Woods. There's the that new park that they opened up at the back of what is it, Burnham oh, Wood? Oh, it goes. Yeah, it's, yeah. it goes yeah. all the way back. Yeah, yeah. through spring, um, pretty much. And you can yeah. run all through there. Then there's the little side places that we know about. You know, it would just be. If we're without thinking about anything and creating a really cool story for seven thousand dollars, it would just be Pocket and I looking for our buddy Ian. Well, see, Lost that's my him. thing. It's like I, I don't think that we need to create a really cool. Like, I don't think we would need to create an El Mariachi of Spring, Texas. But like the idea that what we like, what we would need to be doing and what we should be doing in the idea, we have to use what we have already. We need to tell stories of Spring, Texas. Tell stories. Mm -hmm about spring texas we, we in really, the best ways we possibly can we really yeah. we really are the mariachi of spring <laughs> texas i mean we're cutting corners in all the right places i figured we could have you know some five dollar technology bands and the bands broke down and we that's why we can't find ian anymore oh man our yeah. bands kept him phased so that we could see him our smart watches have failed us again <laughs> what will we do we have to find our friend <laughs> And then it just turns we into can, the hangover, you know, too. We can videotape ourselves. I can be the guy who is holding the camera while you're asking people if they've seen Ian. And you're trying See, to describe him. In See, I, you don't want to be directing yourself. You're, I think that's a, that's a, that's a, big, that's a, that's a big thing. But if you're trying to keep it low budget 
everybody's going to have to play their part. You might be the director at point. Well, I course. might be the director. Ian might be the director. So nah, you need what you you gotta have like a guy behind the camera. I, I think that if if we're the ones on camera, we gotta have a guy behind the camera. You guys would be showing pictures of me and like people are just blurry. Yeah, exactly. People are squinting. They're like, I can't quite make it out. <laughs> I mean, you you gotta have somebody who Don't will always be behind that camera who can let you know, like, hey, man, <laughs> yeah, you're doing this, you're doing this wrong. And we do like my thing is like we do know people who do that. Like we know enough people who actually went to film school who we could fucking hire a camera guy and be uh, a or you know a DP and a fucking director. Like we could we 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 got those we got guys on hold who we could who we could actually hire for that. Which is actually pretty fucking cool. Uh, living here where we live, we did have a bunch of people who went and tried and then ended up coming back. So they're here and they're just waiting for somebody to be like, hey, <laughs> you want a job? be really funny if we continued on for my whatever little adventure uh-huh. and we end up getting one of the bands to work. So we're handing everybody the pieces of the pictures and stuff of Ian and it's all blurry and we're like, oh, wait, put this on. And then we give them the same pictures, but they're not blurry. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, they can actually yeah. see it's who like, Ian is. I see. If we can right. figure out some way to make that. And then, you know, you take the arm man back and everything's blurry again. Oh, dear. Yeah, that, that's way better than what the idea that I had. It's a lot it, of... It's, <laughs> mine was just, I would call it the boy with no chin. And what <laughs> all we have to do is find a boy who looked a lot like me as a child who has no chin. And then, like, slowly, like, just insert pictures of me, like, throughout the ages. And then I just get happier and happier as I get a, as I get my beard. Happier and, and happier. Yeah, I just am like, yay, I finally have a chin. <laughs> I didn't have a chin until I was, like, I don't know, 17. <laughs> By 17, I had a real chin. It was amazing. By 17, I had a real chin. Yeah. I didn't have a chin before 17 because school wouldn't let me. <laughs> school wouldn't let me, uh... Have the spear. You are not allowed to have a chin. So. <laughs> I mean, because we would. Eat, uh, but your basic hardware would co- probably cost somewhere around twelve hundred fucking dollars. <laughs> yeah, GoPros are pretty high quality. You need about three of them and something actually to. I'm no. Stabilize I'm not them. spending it. No, you don't. You're not filming anything on a fucking GoPro. <laughs> Well, you can if you actually have the stabilizers with them. They actually, like, quality-wise, they actually... But I could spend as much money as I I would spend on a GoPro or on three GoPros on a DSLR camera. (laughs) I guess it'd be the same price. Or you just go super low budget. um... And you do what Robert Rodriguez did, and he filled everything with no sound. Oh. And then went back and cut cut audio in on top of it. So Chris just got I mean, shot by something. I don't know what. Robert Rodriguez. You could go super cheap. Fucking, we could all pull out our phones. Yeah. No, I mean it, that. Those are all total fucking possibilities. Yeah. And then you know I'll put your ass on a a cart that we screwed together with a rope. And <laughs> hopefully we don't hit a rock and send your ass flying. But. <laughs> It just turns we'll go into get a, a side shot. It just turns into a Goonies adventure. <laughs> Goon! Now that... <laughs> that oh, is something. A Goonies adventure, huh? I'm, down, I'm definitely down for that. That's <laughs> The search for Ian's family? <laughs> I mean, yeah, or Ian's family treasure. 
mean, I don't know why it, I don't know why everything has to be centered around all of our weird true believer in jokes. Because <laughs> you said it's a between the profound and the profane movie. No, I said it was a, a bonus hours oh. production. Okay. Movie. Yeah. The bonus hours produced a movie. <laughs> Now, a between the profound and the profane movie. That's a that's a different movie. That is a that. Uh, I was like, I feel like that's like WWE producing a movie and A having no wrestlers in it and B it being a drama. You're like, what? <laughs> no, oh, see, to me, it wouldn't need to be a drama. It definitely would be a comedy because comedies are a just like comedy like horror is cheap and easy to produce. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now finding you? you're cheap and easy to produce. Finding actors who are good at comedy, different story. Although that is why you use yourself. That's and why your you friends. Use, yeah, exactly. That's why you use us guys. <laughs> hey, you guys. We like it funny and bloody. We're perfect comedy horror people. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm gonna stab you, but like in a funny way. Yeah, I'm gonna stab you, and it's gonna hurt you, but everybody's gonna have a good time. I mean, you gotta use a lot of uh, you gotta. Low special effects, low post production costs. Uh, you want to use low extras costs. Well, you you wouldn't use feed special effects. You use practical effects. It would be you're three, paying a prop guy. It would be like three, three Stooges technology. Are you or are you YouTubing yes. how to? I mean, you build can do props. that too. We're, but that's I'm, time. I'm thinking, but we, nobody ever said anything about a time constraint. I'm saying that's time. True, but it's your but, time. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't really cost financially anything. <laughs> Cost. Uh, I don't know, man. It I'm costs pretty sure 12. that my third grade teacher showed me an equation that made me believe that time equals money, and that's why I'm worthless. Ah, shit. That was a terrible third grade teacher. Yeah, Where exactly. did you go to elementary school? Uh, Conley. Hey. Dude, all, all, of, all of the All of the bullshit that people district. are her, her throwing name. up from like 15 years ago, I think we have a case. Her name <laughs> was Mrs. Boots, and she's Fuck here the to statutes stop of limitation. <laughs> One, show me and everybody else this equation again. <laughs> Two, you called a child useless. <laughs> you're an asshole. See, I mean, if we, uh, no matter what, you always, you're always going to need at least a director, a DP. Um, if we're using uh, certain amounts of cameras, you're probably going to need a gaffer. I thought that was like a porno thing, no? No, that's a fluffer. A gaffer oh. is your lead electrician. Oh, all right. I, I was going to say, because I really don't need a uh, a fluffer in that case, if it's the job I'm thinking. That, <laughs> yeah, I don't think we need that for the movie that we're making. I really hope we don't. <laughs> and that, wasn't the, that wasn't the movie I was planning on making, but... So, we're, I mean, times get desperate. We're making the ultimate friendship scene oh, what from would Kubrick it, do? right? Is that, is that what we're doing? <laughs> The friendship scene making friends in the sewers with their clothes off. (laughs) Sound mixers, boom operators. If you got a boom mic, can I call them boomy? You can call them boomy. We also need boomy. I mean, I think that part. If we're making a movie, we're definitely giving everybody who works under us or for us nicknames, uh, which will mostly be attached to what they do. That means whenever I'm having a hard day, I want a fat Uncle Iroh somewhere. Oh, Chris, you Wait, have... you just want to pay somebody for sage advice? That's right. You have a long day. Come drink some wonderful JT. We, 
We also need one guy that's the extra who's always walking around in the background that just has a boom box. So we need a boom boxer. Like, he's got to be walking around just, how about, just jamming. How about just the legitimate <laughs> guy we have to cut out of every shot because he's always eating something? Like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> just, is that Frank again? God damn it! <laughs> Put down the fucking sandwich. Get out of the shot. That's that's hilarious because I was thinking in my head something to say to that person, and I named him Frank, Frank. as well. <laughs> I, was thinking, I, was like, I think Frank is what we name every superfluous character. I think it's just like what we always come down Frank to. Frank or Brett? Or no, Brett. no, Brett no, and Brad are there, there 100%. Yeah, they're producers. For some reason, I wanted to say perfluous, but I don't think that's correct because I don't think Sue is a uh, prefix for perfluous, although now I think that it is because I seem to have forgotten what prefixes are. Oh, man. (laughs) We need to call those MIT guys. (laughs) What are you? I am perfluous. It means unnecessary and unneeded. Superfluous. (laughs) What? But you can't... I don't think you can just have perfluous. You can't... can't, I don't think you can drop the Sue off of it. What are you? I am necessary. I am perfluous. I am perfluous. Ruler of Houston. (laughs) (laughs) This is my... This is my trusted subordinate, Gromulax. (laughs) Who are you, perfluous? (laughs) All right. Oh, oh God. We're about to run out of time, but I, I wanted to try like a quick uh I wanted to try a stinger on you guys. Okay. Okay. So we got this guy. His name is uh Lincoln Burns. Everybody calls him Lincoln. His name's Lincoln Burns. Okay. He is a bit too old to still be uh living in his hometown and avoiding his his true self. A- avoiding destiny, if you will. Um, he avoids destiny by going out to bad house parties on the other side of the tracks in the suburbs. At a strange sort of party, after getting a weird invite from somebody he's not sure he knows with an odd nickname, uh, he, him and his friends go to a, uh, a house party uh, hosted by a very, very tall, gruff man, uh, just calls himself G. As they imbibe uh, all kinds of liquors and uh, strange uh, treats, the the man uh, states that this particular fungus that he has given out to the party goers will reveal their most true selves to each other. And as they imbibe, um, his best friend, a, a portly fellow, a gluttonous kind, uh, begins to grow tusks and become pig-like as people around them grow strange elfish ears and some of them become monstrous. The three friends flee from this house party because what the fuck is going on? What was in that? <laughs> the party-goers, seeing that Lincoln has also grown a couple of pointy ears himself and seems to have a golden glow about him. Give chase. They want him. We're not sure for what. As they dash into the woods, Link trips over a large rock. 
what he thinks is a rock. It's actually old stair steps from a temple. There's no temples in the fucking suburbs. It's less of a rock and more of an Iran. <laughs> ruins. A golden hum, a, a, a chorus of angels, you could say, begin to ring out from around this ruined temple. And sitting above him is a sword. And it glows. It's a blue hilt. Small fairy flits from behind the master sword and says, Link, I've waited so long for you. Where have you been? Wow. Man, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good intro into a Zelda movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a it would be a modern day Zelda movie, you know, an idea of a modern set in modern times, but it's a lot more about uh never reaching who you were supposed to be. It's yeah. a lot more like the this rest of the movie boy. would actually be his friends trying to keep him from being taken by these weird elf people who want him to succeed ah. in his destiny. The okay. rest of the movie is about avoiding who you were supposed to be. I see, okay. Damn. That's deep, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be crazy deep. It's kind of cool. It's like a... Uh... And they did those the Prime comics, like Earth Prime or Earth One comics. Yeah. Or that's all set in like the New Age, like Superman done now. Yeah, yeah. Or Batman done now. Done so now. It's all the digital advancements and things come through. That's kind of a cool. I cool, like it. Cool trail, <laughs> and it would be great to not have actually. No, no, the man with the tusks would be Ganondorf. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it'd be great to not have Ganondorf as a villain. And you, it was like the people, your friends turned into the villains. No, no, you're, the the friends become, uh, they, they are all, they are the, uh, they are creatures within the world. Uh, the, the Tusks was a moblin, uh, if you know your Zelda creatures. Uh, that, I'm, I thought the, it was more of a pig. pig yeah, well, moblins are kind of pigs. Okay. Uh, I'll yeah. show you a picture of them later. But no, no, the, the man who invited them to the party would be your Ganondorf analog. Okay. okay. Makes sense. Got you. Anyway, uh, yeah. I think we need to close it out. Uh, I think that's an episode. Can we call that an episode, everybody? Yeah, I think we can Sounds call like it a pretty episode. good episode. Yeah. I think this is a topic we can come back to every now and then. I, I, I like topics that we kind of start. We don't get all the way where we wanted to, and but they're, they're open. They're yeah. open for a part two or a, uh, you know, other conversations because yeah. this conversation could have gone in a lot of different ways and it went a very specific route. Sometime in the future, could be near, could be yep. distant, could be sometime in the past. You never know. I mean, we just got to get in the box yeah, for the we, you'll get a, we have, we have plenty we can, more movies to talk about. You'll get a low-budget writer's ideas. room. <laughs> Ooh, low-budget writer's room. Uh, you guys <laughs> learn anything today? Man. Whew. I learned that, uh... Man, I learned that I think I might be the alienist. <laughs> <laughs> the most alien. I am the most alien here. I mean, we are all Power Rangers, but I am the most alien. <laughs> I'll tell you, it wasn't so much what I learned in this episode, but the ride getting ready for this episode. Yeah. It was very cool getting to watch three vastly different low-budget movies, seeing what they did with their money, um... It's been a real fiery road. 
Do you guys think? Uh, this will be our last question. Do you guys think that in today's uh, technology age, uh, with things being so much more readily available to everybody, the barrier to entry being so low, do you think that somebody could do what Robert Rodriguez, what Kevin Smith, or what Quentin Tarantino did in the '90s, where they basically made movies in their backyard and then made it into a career? Do you think that's still possible? Uh, absolutely. There's a awesome, for anybody that doesn't know, I'm a freaking huge Dragon Ball Z fan. And there is a really cool uh, fan-made movie that takes place in the alternate history of the Trunk Saga mm -hmm. with the androids. And it's called Light of Hope. Mm -hmm. And it is a low-budget, fan-made, pretty fucking badass uh, movie. And I don't remember the exact budget, but it is it's pretty low. I think it's under a hundred thousand. Yeah. And it's they did they did the first episode for X amount of money and then they did a Kickstarter and they got all of the money they needed for the next two episodes. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean really, I mean, as far as like the cost of technology, like to get a quality camera that can film like an H D, it's super cheap these days. Yeah. Like yeah. even like you were saying, like even like if like I said GoPro because I was thinking if you want multiple cameras for twelve hundred bucks, but um, like you said, even like a high high end DSLR, you can still find those for like six hundred bucks. So if you have like the motivation and the script and good friends, technically, yeah, you probably could make a a watchable movie for you know twelve hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think what it really takes is uh, doing it before you're ready. Like uh, uh, I I used to have this therapist when I was fucking fourteen, and when I told him that I wanted to make movies, his first response was, "Well, how many movies have you shot so far?" And my response was, "I'm fourteen. What the fuck, dude?" Um, <laughs> but the I, it, being thirty now, uh, that guy was fucking right. Have you ever like, seen that's the movie you, Waterworld? <laughs> that's when you should be practicing with your camera. That's when you should be like. That's when you should be figuring out th how to use the camera. That's when you should be dragging your best friend out and making like two-person movies. Is when you're like fourteen, fifteen. Uh, that way, by the time you get to college age, you know how the fuck to use a camera, and yeah. you're not just guessing. If that's the case, yeah. I've been making movies since I was about seven years old, because me and one of my really good friends, CJ, uh, had one of the old school home video cameras that used to <laughs> record on the VHS tapes mm -hmm. <laughs> with the big flashlight on the front. Yeah. And we would make stop motion movies with all of our action figures. Oh, And we okay. would make fucking... We would spend 10 hours... You know, because you got to move every action figure bit by bit to create a whole movie. And man. we'd fucking put the whole Dude. thing together and stop the camera and then move oh, the action man. figures and start the camera. Dude, you would have been a Lego millionaire if you had that Lego movie maker deal that they have. Like, where, because it's, it's almost exactly like, what you're it talking about. By but hand. We, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we never made, uh, we, we never videotaped it, but when I was a kid, it was, you know, me and my brother and his friends and all of my friends, you know, the neighborhood kids would all, you know, play make-believe. And I was, I what I now realize, I was always the director. I was always the guy who was like, okay, you're going to be the Red Ranger, and you're going to be the Blue Ranger, and I'm going to be this guy, and this is what's happening, and this is what you need, this is your motivation, and this is what was gonna, what's going to go down, okay? All right, break! Go. Let's go! Action! <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, yeah. 
I, I think that it's possible to make a career out of like making a movie at home with so much money, but I don't think that you can become Hollywood in such a way. A, a, like Robert Rodriguez got into Hollywood. Kevin Smith got into Hollywood. I don't think it's, that you can get the, into Hollywood well, that easily. The, well, anymore. I was gonna say the what it is is the differences is like your Kevin Smiths and um, you know your Robert Rodriguez, all of them. Like they have like their big break. I think that now the only difference is is like the like I said to make a movie actually does cost less because the available technology. But um, the difference is is rather than getting your big break. What it is is you have to be willing to make a shitload of video of of movies and put them out there on the internet until someone actually like picks you up and then you get your break. Like it's a more of a progression than just a oh man you made you made uh, dust well not dust. you made you made a mariachi bam like there's your big break or yeah 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 it's more like you made mariachi then you made desperados and you're putting all this out on the YouTubes, essentially. Yeah. And then someone says, wow, this guy's got real talent. And then you get your break. Or you make Two years clerks, down the line, three years But rather than being line. about the gas station, you make it about the guys behind the gas station who are getting fucked up. And then you, <laughs> make, you, you, and then you send it to Kevin Smith and make everybody else send it to Kevin Smith <laughs> until Kevin Smith is like, I'll distribute this. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> like that. Any last words? It's like this and like that and like this and... And, uh, like this, like that, like this, and, uh... Like this and like that and like this, and, uh... Like this and like that and like this. Good night, everyone! Woo! Sours is a collective of friends who not only are trying their best to be creative constantly, but to inspire others to be creative. We make podcasts, we make comedy, we make films, um, we write articles, um, we do just about everything that we possibly can. Uh, vlogs on YouTube. So if you enjoy uh, what you just heard, could you please uh, support us? And you can support us by subscribing on iTunes, uh, giving us a five-star rating, uh, as well as a written review there on iTunes. Uh, you can further help us by sharing all of the episodes, uh, all of the content that you enjoy uh, uh, on social media. Uh, it would also be a big help if you just told people uh, what you like about the show, about the things that we write, about the things that we say, and... Uh, yeah, that, that'll be it. Just if you enjoy what you hear, uh, please uh, do what you can to support us. And right now, the best thing that you can do to support us is to get the word out. Thank you very much. And
brain and make the movie about it. But I read the whole synopsis of Citizen Kane, and I'm like, I can't make this about Tonka trucks. You know what you can make it about, though? What? Seattle. Seattle? Citizen Fraser Crane. Oh, dude. I, oh, man. I love 